find what you're passionate about, pursue it, and become good at at least something. Hiya, hiya, hiya. Welcome back to the Wild Business Growth Podcast presented by Hippo Direct. This is your place to hear from a new entrepreneur or innovator every single Wednesday morning who's turning wild ideas into wild growth. I'm your host, Max Brandstetter, podcasting dude at Hippo Direct, and you can reach me at max at hippodirect.com to help use your podcast as a marketing tool. This is episode number 104, and today's guest is Jonathan Katz. He is the inventor of Blendy, the portable blender that he invented in college. So he has a crazy unique perspective on that. And he also has some awesome stories about prototyping and finding your passion. Cat's got your tongue. Enjoy the show. Alrighty, we are here with Jonathan Katz, the inventor of Blendy, the portable blender. Jonathan, how are you doing today? Good. I'm doing. I'm doing well, Max. How are you? I'm doing well as well. Doing well as well. I'll set a record for wells right off the gate here. Yeah. But this is really cool. I am very curious and excited to dive into your story. Very unique, and it's really interesting what you're doing. But before we do that, I do want to shout out our mutual buddy Kevin Lane of Create a Castle, who connected us in the first place. So, so shout out to Kevin, and uh, I think you're actually from a similar town that he is, huh? Yeah, so I, I I live or my my family lives in the town right next to the town he's in. So the town we're in is very small compared to the town he's in. Gotcha. In Connecticut, yeah. yeah. The tale of two cities there, basically. Yeah. That's where the book came from. But Jonathan, you have created an amazing product in Blendy. You actually started it while you were in college. So I think I think back to when I was about to go to college. There's so much excitement both on the academic side and in the, on the extracurricular side or the fun side. Did you have any sort of inclination that you wanted to invent a product or start a business while you were in college? No, not really. I, I went into I went into Springfield College owning an eBay business and I was I was doing like, you know, just reselling. I was going to thrift shops and reselling. So I had that type of business background, I guess you could say. I was just trying to hustle. And I, I went in understanding that I wanted my life to be, you know, centered around fitness as I had competed naturally in bodybuilding. And I thought that physical therapy allowed me to not only make a healthy living, but also become a doctor. And that was something I guess I, I aspired to be. But I just wanted to, to help other people with their, you know, with their health and their weight loss or muscle gain, whatever I could do or, re, you know, rehabbing. So I thought it was the best route. And so you had that interest in the physical or bodybuilding space, I guess, fitness space to begin with. Mm. Tell us a little bit about that bodybuilding background. When did you get started from a bodybuilding standpoint and sort of what, what was your level of commitment there? Yeah, it was uh, pretty extreme, I would say. So I, I had a lot in high school going back my sophomore year, I was about 195 pounds at about five, six, which is pretty overweight for a high school kid um, who wanted a girlfriend. So I decided to lose all that weight. About Specification 50. there. Yeah, yeah, that was, well, that was one of the main motivations. I won't lie. And I, I lost about 50 pounds in, in about four months. And that was pretty crazy. And I remember having abs for the first time. I was like, wow, this is insane. But you know, while, while I was doing that, I was doing football workouts. 
And then I got a job. So I, I quit football to actually work as someone who's five, six, can't really have a future or so I thought in football. So I took to basically working out at home and then eventually it got a little more serious and I you know, joined the gym, uh, health tracks in Connecticut. And then I just started weightlifting basically every day. And I was following this guy, Scott Herman, uh, who has a massive YouTube channel now. And, and he was pretty prominent in the early YouTube days as the fitness guy. So I uh, kind of gravitated to these, you know, fitness personalities on YouTube and followed their workouts. And yeah, then I got really serious. I hired a coach and I competed uh, in my first natural bodybuilding show at 18. And I was the youngest oh. one. Yeah. Oh my God. And from your standpoint, because I've heard this a lot about bodybuilding, there's kind of this debate of what is more difficult, the actual crazy amount of hours that you're putting in lifting or the crazy amount of food that you're intaking for yeah. you. What was, what was more difficult of those two? Oh, the food. Oh, the food is so challenging because not only are you in the bulking phase, let's say, you know, eating a lot and then therefore spending a lot of, of money on food, you know, it gets to the point where you're having chicken breast excessive amounts, you know, two, three times a day. And you're like, this is kind of crazy if you're having six meals a day. And unfortunately it was somewhat detrimental when you're cutting to, to have this nutritional, I don't know what you would call it, but kind of like, uh, like, you know, you have to, you're, you're within certain limits of your nutritional capability during the day, right? You have a certain amount of calories and macros you have to hit. So when my friends and I would go out in high school, I would have to bring Tupperware. I, I just went eat or get like a light salad. So those were unfortunate times, but it was just to get on stage, right? And what I quickly found out after I got on stage is that I don't know if it was really worth all the effort and the sacrifice of time and friendship uh, and hardship to then just get on the stage for maybe two minutes, you know, of your life. I just didn't, I didn't know if it was worth the payoff. So that's kind of why I stopped a little bit. It makes sense. I'm, I'm sure you can get burned out after a while from that. Yeah. People around you get burned out too. Unfortunately, you become kind of, you know, morose and, and not friendly to be around sometimes because of the restriction of carbs and, and calories. Yeah. And uh, the thought of I mean, I mean, I love chicken breast as much as the next person, but the thought of eating it more than three times a day, every single day is, uh, is a lot to stomach literally. So that's, you that's, get creative. <laughs> you do. So we'll call you the yeah. Tupperware. We'll call you the Tupperware guy as well. <laughs> on the flip side of things though, on, on the, on the positives you took from that experience, what can you say that you learned through your bodybuilding years that you think have been really helpful as you have turned into an entrepreneur and inventor? Lots of actionable items for sure. You know, I, I, I do look at, I look at football and, and I look at bodybuilding as, as, you know, kind of in the same realm because of the commitment I was dedicating myself to, but especially bodybuilding, the fact that you have to, you know, you have to set a number of, let's just say reps, right? You have to hit during the day. You have to eat XYZ amount of calories, XYZ amount of carbs, fats, proteins. And you have to be hitting, you know, you have to be making sure you're doing it. It's kind of a process. Every day you know you're you're doing these goals, you're getting closer to that finalized, you know, bodybuilding, stepping on stage physique. And so it's these day-by-day -day actions that you're taking to get to that final goal, right? And I think that's what keeps people motivated is, is they see this final goal pretty clearly in their mind because they see other people doing it. And you can kind of take that into bodybuilding. And I, I also use football as a reference too, because I remember just feeling 
and even during cardio for bodybuilding, I was doing an hour a day, but even in football, right. When you're running Hills, you're, you're so dead. You're like so tired and you're, you're exhausted, but the, your coach is just pushing you forward. He's like, keep going. You know what I mean? You have to, cause it's your coach and you got to complete the drill. And I kind of look at that like entrepreneurship because there are many nights that you will not want to work. You're very tired and you kind of just have to push yourself and will yourself to get there. As you know, that completing these steps tonight will help you bring you, you know, to your ultimate goal, whatever that may be. That's a wonderful way to put it. I think it does translate very well, but as an entrepreneur, the minute you step out and become an entrepreneur, all of a sudden somebody else isn't your coach. You're your own coach. Yeah. How has that transition been? Yeah, that, that's the bodybuilding aspect for sure. I did have a coach in bodybuilding, but you know, they're not there every day at the gym with you. You know, they, they can't be with you 24 seven telling you, Oh, don't eat that cookie or, you know, don't eat that piece of bread. Right. You have to just have that accountability for yourself. And I think that's, you know, that's, that's a, a factor that comes into entrepreneurship. If you're not holding yourself accountable and you're saying, Oh, I'll do 30 emails, sales emails a day. And then you only do 20. Well, you're kind of letting yourself down and you have no one else but you that's letting yourself down. So you have to understand that. Let's get to Blendy. Where did this idea for Blendy come about? Sure. So that was still, I, I was still wanting to compete during then. And, and I, I think I was in a bulking phase back then, but anyways, I was at the gym. I mean, who wasn't? Yeah. I, now my life in quarantine is all about bulking. <laughs> <laughs> when I was at the gym, I, you know, obviously I had a, a good workout and after all these workouts I was having, I had to have my protein shake. There's a little, a lot of people don't know this, but there's a 15 minute optimal window uh, post workout that you're supposed to get in, you know, nutrients of some sort. And the, the ideal way to get it, to get the reaction faster is you combine sugar with like a Gatorade, let's say with a protein powder. And Really? You'd be surprised how much weight you gain by doing that, but you get pretty ripped. Like you get insane muscle mass because what the sugar does in the Gatorade is it elicits insulin. So this insulin response fires up your body and, and it goes to work immediately carrying these proteins, which you just put in to repairing your muscle almost immediately. And especially if you have a whey protein that's you know perfectly blended and, and it's fast acting, then the molecule is already cut up by the blender, which is why I think the blending is so useful. And then it helps just absorb these, your body helps absorb the proteins faster into your body. So that's the premise of wanting to get into protein shake after the workout. And I knew that by having these clumpy protein shakes in my shaker bottle and just shaking it up and not wanting to drink it because I was eating it, not only was it not a good drinking experience, but also I realized that the, the contents were not blended perfectly. So I was like, how, you know, how long is this taking to digest? And I really wanted to be optimal in how you know, and efficient and everything uh, in all the processes that were going on, right? So I said, okay, what can I do? And I just figured out, you know, let's, let's, is there anything that mixes this up with a battery? And yeah, it turns out there actually was, there was, there was a product that had plastic oscillating stirrers. And so I bought that for 40 bucks and, you know, brought it to the gym and it lasted a week and I dropped it by accident about five feet and it broke, it just shattered. So, oh no. I was kind of back to the drawing board. I did some, a little bit of market research and I said, oh, wow, there's nothing that's a true blender. There's nothing with stainless steel blades. So can we do that? You know, and that's kind of where my mind sparked. To your knowledge, are you the only entrepreneur that has created something to go up against something that is just clumping together? I don't know, actually. Probably not. No, probably not. Because <laughs> In the clumping industry. 
Yeah, yeah. But you've clearly done your research. You know a lot about the science behind why it is so essential to have protein shakes or whatever you're consuming right after your workout and why there's a real, this is a real solution that you can offer and come up with. So you had the idea, what did the next steps look like? Because I think that's a extremely difficult jump to go from idea to actually putting this to the drawing board and starting to come up with prototypes and, and whatever else you did in the early days. Yeah. So my immediate thought was, okay, I probably need an engineer because I have no idea how to even construct something like this. And Springfield College, where I went, was unfortunate because they, they didn't really have, they, I don't even think they had an engineering program, to be honest. So that was kind of a loss for me. So what I did was I went on Upwork.com and uh, Upwork is like a, I call that more premium Fiverr.com. You can find, you know, freelancers and, and gigs. And I loved it. I thought it was a really good platform. And you put your job out there. I said, you know, create 3D CAD drawings for a portable blender. And I remember I had so much interest. It was kind of crazy. And this one guy was so flattering. He actually made a YouTube video explaining, you know, exactly what he would do, why he's a good candidate. I was like, all right, you're hired. And oh so I God. paid him. I paid, yeah, it was, it was like for a freshman in college, it was really flattering. YouTube and dying to you. Yes. I didn't know that was a thing. I so that's interesting. Yeah, so I hired him and, and uh, he did a really, really good job, way over $100 worth of CAD drawings. And uh, that was kind of the first step. And then I remember that summer, because I was in April, I remember. And then that summer, you know, back home, I read this book um, called Think and Grow Rich. And it just changed my mindset, I think, on life. Oh, completely. yeah. Yeah. Napoleon Hill, right? Yes. Yep. Many previous guests. And the show have talked about that as well. Yeah, and it goes into detail. Says, you know, look, once you once you learn what what we're talking about here, you actually don't even have to read further. And so I think I got maybe two hundred pages in. I was like, okay, I get it. It's all about mindset. You have to envision what you want to see and to achieve. Back to being your own coach again. Yeah. At what moment did it click for you that hey, this can actually become my business? This isn't just something I'm toying around with. Yeah. So I would say the first prototype was really cool. But I don't even know if that was when I thought that, to be honest. So I would probably go further in the process when the UMass engineers, one group of them, I was managing two, two different groups, and they came up with, they took a blender bottle, basically, which is what I was using in the gym to shake it up, uh, which I, is now my mortal enemy. <laughs> but, you know, they took a blender <laughs> bottle, they cut out the bottom, and they made this this other base basically for it that's that stirred up into the bottom that had blades. So when you push the button, you know, it would spin. And I remember like the blender bottle obviously is optimal for drinking and everything. So I thought it was so cool. And that's when I was like, wow, this is legit. And I remember the I remember I actually put ice into it. I was like, can I test this? And they're like, yeah, sure, it's yours. And it, it like crushed it so easy. I was like, what the, like, I was like blown away. So that was when I, when I thought that this is really, really doable. And now it's just all about finding manufacturing. That's amazing to think about. Can you describe it in words? If you take yourself back to that exact moment where you saw this thing that you had sort of quickly mocked up and then now you see it turn into an actual product. What was that like? Yeah, that was pretty amazing. I, I do remember dreaming of on Microsoft Paint the you know original drawing, and that's <laughs> it. Kind of came full circle because I do remember thinking, you know, what would this actually look like in my hands? And then to see it in my hands, 
I was in my car actually in one of the engineers' driveways at their house. And I was like, I literally have this in my possession now. Like this is, this is real. This is tangible. I can use this exactly how I intended. And that's pretty incredible. I love that because I think you hear about so many, you know, hardcore prototypes using 3D printers. And <laughs> we know Kevin Lane for Create a Castle did some yeah. mock-ups with 3D printers as well, or all yeah. these super advanced prototypes. And you are living proof that literally in Microsoft Paint, you can do it. Or just whether it's drawing something on a piece of paper or a napkin, you hear stories the like napkin. that too. Yeah, Going from that to actually 3D product and, and prototypes in that sense is, is super cool. It was. Yeah, it was a really cool feeling. And, you know, the other group did an okay job. It was more like a Nutribullet, so I didn't really understand what was going on there. Um, I didn't really see the usefulness in that because it was already existing. So, right. um, but th this group that did the the one that I thought was really good actually won uh, entrepreneurial products, you know, of the year or whatever for this design. Oh, so oh. that was, that was really cool. And we had beat out one of my other good buddies, Mark Gamble and Fog Kicker, which had been featured on, uh, what is it? Good morning, the good morning show. So that was really yeah. cool. He's a good guy. And that's a great product too. It, it helps with like un unfogging your goggles when you're underwater, which is cool. Oh, wow. That, yeah. that is really cool. So when I'm thinking about your product, the way you have it designed now, it has an, a beautiful aesthetic. It looks nice. It's, it's portable. It works well. And it's really kind of, at this point, you've gotten to a nice place where it's really buttoned up and, and a nice holistic product there. I'm sure in those early days when you're combining you know, a, a form of power and blades like literally blades and something moving around really fast and you got to make sure it works right you got to make sure it's safe you know there's so many different things to consider with this with this product that you've endeavored on what have been the biggest hurdles that you've need to conquer from a design standpoint yeah so it's interesting because a lot of you know it, i don't know if people think the the portable blender is like this you know innovative ingenious thing right but i jonathan i have a statue of it right outside my place <laughs> well there's a, yeah exactly yeah there's so many different parts of this right because you have to think about you have to think about the torque you have to think about the power that generates the torque you have to understand how much torque it, it takes to crush ice how much torque it takes to crush fruit you know all that stuff and then it, it goes further into saying okay how do we design the blades then to make sure it crushes ice and it cuts you know, chopped fruit or whatever. So those two aspects are one of the biggest too. But then how do we design this plastic base so that it contours, you know, so that it makes this vortex, right? And, and, and so it's optimal for cutting. And that's, there's all these different aspects and parts to go into that's pretty, they're pretty complex and that I knew nothing about until these engineers really brought it to my attention after they had studied some other products. And that was one of the most interesting things. And, you know, I was lucky enough to only have to pay $750 for both prototypes and all this research. Oh, my God. Yeah. I got off very, that very lucky. That is lots, lots and lots of bang for your buck. Yeah. What part of your product inventing journey so far, besides the actual engineering of the product, do you think has been the most challenging? And why is that? I would say the manufacturing process was a bit challenging to find the actual manufacturer was somewhat easy, but you know, it's basically just a Google search away pretty much. I don't think people understand that, but you, you just have to find the right one that can combine all of the parts that you need 
and basically adhere to the guidelines set for the manufacturable product. And I went through many different types. I mean, I went through, I think about four different prototypes before we got to the final product. And the, the latest before the final one you see now, the, the one before that, we had used glass. And I was coming back from the gym and I remember it fell on my backpack and it broke, obviously, because it was glass. So uh, I learned very quickly that people are going to be probably returning this a lot <laughs> if it was glass. So we either had to come up with an additional product like a rubber sleeve or we just went with BPA-free, you know, food-grade plastic, which is, I thought that it was cheaper anyways, quite honestly. Um, and that was another thing. The only thing I did wish I could have done was make the body stainless steel, but instead we had to use food-grade plastic. So that was unfortunate, but stainless steel is very, very expensive. Oh, it sounds like it. At least it's stainless. Yeah. You mentioned Google searching. I kind of yeah. get a little chuckle out of that because... I find that in my own experience, there's so many times that I'll, I feel like I'll be stuck on something and then it, like, it will take me so long to remember, oh my God, like the internet has answers for literally everything. <laughs> like literally yeah. you should, you should always start with Googling because there are plenty of resources on there. A hundred percent. And we even had Will Shorts on the podcast back in episode 97. He's the crossword editor for the New York Times. So basically nice. same exact story as you. No, I'm just kidding. But like he... <laughs> it was really interesting hearing his backstory and even from his standpoint, there were certain questions where his answer was basically, you know, if you're trying to learn how to do this or learn how to solve this or what, I would literally start with YouTube and just search for a video about how to do this. And yes. like he's, he's applied that to so many different things. And so the same thing applies to the, the startup world as well. Yeah. I, I, you know, and going past this process, I've used YouTube. I mean, that's school. I, when I transitioned to business and marketing at, at Springfield, I guess, I'm not sure if it was just a program, but it taught me nothing compared to what I learned on YouTube. Mm -hmm. What I learned on YouTube was just so much more applicable in terms of Facebook ads, marketing, branding, you know, just stuff like that. You got the uh, YouTube degree, the honorary YouTube degree. Yeah, there's so, but there's so, like right now, for example, I'm, I'm actually... I'm converting to Shopify. So I'm watching this two hour long Shopify video tutorial on this guy going through, you know, step by step, like this is what your landing page should look like. And of course there's multiple opinions, right? But it's just a start and you can become good at landing pages. You can become good at product pages. You can become good at product descriptions. And there's multiple videos on each one of these topics. So clearly e-commerce is a major distribution player for you. How much yeah. are you banking on selling via e-commerce and, and through your website versus actually seeking more brick and mortar locations? Yeah, so it's been interesting. We, as we've gotten onto fair.com, which has been, I just got an order today actually from a boutique store. So that was Ooh, one area. Yeah, thanks. That was pretty cool to come in. And that's, you know, those are usually pretty big orders and we're getting pretty low in inventory now. So it's getting a little... A little uh, scary here, but you know, going forward with with this kind of model, we we've been traditionally 100% e-commerce and maybe one or two percent, you know, brick and mortar. Whenever I wanted to pursue something, but some people have to understand is that e-commerce is good because I can just put up a, a Facebook post or an Instagram post and say, okay, the Blundies on sale today for Father's Day. Use code Father, right? And then people will be like, oh, sick, you know, I'll buy it right now. And then boom, I just, you know, the, the Squarespace order comes through and I just ship it out. Whereas brick yeah. and mortar, no one, no one's going to follow me on my personal page. That's a brick and mortar store. That's just not going to happen. 
So that one you have to seek out and there's time involved. So it's, then you have to do time, you know, opportunity costs and like all that. And what I learned by doing sales at Datadog, which is my first job, was that you have to create templates, you know, sales templates, and then you have to build out an email list and find different retailers. So what I've been doing now the past month is I've been building out my email list, you know, doing different, what I call, they're called touches, like touch one is email, touch two, follow-up email, touch three, call, touch four, maybe, you know, sh uh, shoot them something on LinkedIn. If they're like a buyer, let's say QVC or like a Brookstone, right? So doing those types of steps and having that, you know, that thought process is how you get into brick and mortar stores. And it's through, you know, using websites like fair.com, like Tundra, like there, I just found another one, like a, it's like a boutique, a wholesaler, you know, uh, website. So there, there are so many specific websites that will get you into, you know, connected to store owners. So it's been interesting. It's quite the different route compared to the traditional brick and mortar. It but just takes it more time for brick and mortar. Absolutely. More time, more physical things you have to worry about firsthand. But, but you're clearly in the weeds on the growing the attention and in your customer list. You mentioned your, your list of emails. You're clearly in the weeds with that as far as making sure you know all the different touch points. So that's extremely crucial. You know, email list can be the, the secret sauce there really as far as growing your the, the interest and your loyal customers there what what people have to understand is that when you're getting on multiple websites either e-commerce let's say like you know we've been on touch of modern brookstone right and negotiating with other ones those prices have to be all consistent so if my price on my website is 49 dollars, but touch of modern sells it for 59 right now well why would they buy from touch of modern they would come to my website and so when you start doing stuff like that as an entrepreneur, they will not work with you. And the same goes for retail. When retail sees that you're undercutting them and you're selling for $30 and they're selling it for $40, they're going to be like, what the heck? You know what I mean? So it's, you have to understand that as well. There's so many considerations there. Yeah. yeah. You have to be sensitive. You have to be aware of all that. I have a funny question for you because yeah. you know, at the time we're recording this, you're in your early 20s. So this is typically a question that you'd ask to somebody who's older, but what would you say to yourself if you're looking back at your younger self, <laughs> you know, significantly younger self starting this company or coming up with the product in the first place? What's the biggest piece of advice you would tell your younger self? So let me first off say that, that being an entrepreneur is very difficult mentally and emotionally, Okay. It's, it's much in the fact of bodybuilding that you put a lot of dedication into yourself. All right. So your relationships will always suffer because of it. And it's been, a, it's been a, a, a very tough balance trying to find a balance at least between, you know, your, your personal from your business and entrepreneurial life. And if you work a day job, I mean, it, it adds even more onto that layer. And so tensions are usually pretty high sometimes, especially if you have a significant other. So I would say to you first, please try and find some time to dedicate, you know, even if it's scheduled to people that you are best friends with that, you know, your family that you love. That's what I would say. So going back now, what I would tell myself is they're just like, just hustle, just work more. Quite honestly, at college, it was, was such a great time to just work more. And I had so much free time that I didn't really take advantage of. And I, I think I did a good job, but there was, there was more that I could have done. And I think just reaching out to other people as well, uh, either on LinkedIn or through groups, meeting other entrepreneurs like Kevin, right? 
has taught me so much. I mean, he was the only reason why I'm on fair.com right now. And we've just sold, you know, like hundreds of units. So that's a huge piece of the business right there that wouldn't have been, you know, done if I hadn't talked to him. So talking to more people like that, networking more and just taking more, more chances, more opportunities. I, I took a big chance even by, you know, having manufactured inventory, but just taking more chances and sending more samples out. You know, there would often be times where I thought I couldn't send out a sample because I really needed that product to sell. Well, sometimes you have to understand is that the, the cost of that one unit could be even more sales. So that was probably what I'd say. And to balance more time with personal. That's so true. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think anyone can relate to that is when you're like in work mode and like plugging away during the day, like crazy. And then you get a personal call and it like, you really have to remind yourself like, okay, you know, this is someone who's really important to me. I should take a breather and, you know, talk to them for a little bit. Yeah. It just takes a little while to transition out of that, like go, go, go work mode. Yes. And it's, it's always important to remember that like you should never, should never let your personal relationships suffer because of your work and your passion as important as those are to you. Yes. I couldn't have said it better. On a similar note, since you did start a business in college, what do you think was the biggest thing that you sacrificed by committing so much of your time and energy to building this product and what would be this business while you're in college? I sacrificed, I didn't, my, my friendships were some of the best I've ever made. So I can't say I sacrificed that. Um, I, I quickly realized, I think after bodybuilding that it's important that if your friends want to go out, let's say, you know, do some like road trip or something that you'd go and do it because that you'll never get that time back. And I, I really learned that in senior year. I, I made that a priority. So I would say I did, I did well in that regard. However, there, I didn't really go out. Like I never really went to the, the bars, right. Which is kind of an interesting thing to say on an entrepreneurship podcast. Um, but it's true. in the fact that you have to live that, like I said, that personal life, and I didn't really do that. I was always working at night, but I got a lot of joy out of doing that. I don't think that I would have missed out on that, I would say. So maybe, you know, I would probably tell you that just having downtime, I didn't take a lot of downtime um, with friends. You know, I would always maybe just do it for myself or I would watch too much YouTube sometimes. But <laughs> yeah, I just didn't, I didn't uh, have much downtime <laughs> with, with friends. I was always trying to do something with them. Thank you, Jonathan, for queuing that up so perfectly. I appreciate the softball. Speaking of downtime, I have an opportunity for you to have downtime for your podcast. If you have a podcast or if you want a podcast for your brand or your personal brand, it does take many, many hours, as you know, many, 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 many hours to put together. It really, really helps to have somebody doing your editing doing the publishing of the episodes, doing the things that go on behind the scenes so you can focus on just interviewing your guests, growing your network, and taking that time that you would have spent editing the podcast and so on and using that on other areas of your business. Email me at max at hippodirect.com so I can go to town on the production and editing of your podcast and you can focus on doing what you love and what doesn't drain your time. Now, back to Mr. Katz. So let's switch gears a little bit. Let's get to a segment on inspiration and creativity. So when you think about, I mean, you've mentioned a lot of things with YouTube already, but clearly you are 
very diligent about becoming an expert in the space and studying up on whether it be the science or the elements of building a business, you're really dedicated to your craft. What do you do to stay so informed and stay so on top of things? Yeah, I, I, that's a constant battle, I would say. There's always so much going on, especially, you know, I'll give you a perfect example, Instagram, right? I mean, I remember even last year, you know, in the winter, you could, you could turn on a follow liker for you to follow 200 people and then unfollow 200 people two days later, right? Or like oh 500, oh, yeah. right? And so- the Follow, unfollow, yeah. Yeah. And, but for, but for me, that was amazing because I didn't have to do that. And I hated spending time on Instagram. I thought it was a, it was awful sometimes. Um, so I love that, but now you, you can't do that. And if you did try to do that, you'd get your account banned. So just adjusting to all these little nuances that are going on, on these different platforms, they're always changing. You know, it's crazy. I know Facebook just unveiled their new beta testing that they're using for their new site. And it seems like you get the same people over and over again seeing your posts. So like, how do you, how do you get new people to see your posts? You know, how on Instagram do you get new people to see your posts? It almost seems like sometimes when you're a personal account, you almost can't get new followers that are just out of, you know, out of the blue. You almost have to do some type of like, you have to be in someone else's photo or they have to, you know, call you out or something. It's really interesting. And just keeping, uh, keeping abreast of the times by watching people like Gary Vee, who I, you know, I know that, you know, uh, is, is very yeah. important. I would say that's probably my go-to and just listening to podcasts, you know, you, you'd be so surprised on what you learn by listening to something like this or by listening to something oh, well, more specific. You. Yeah, of course. Um, but you know, if you it like, let's say you really want to know how to grow on social media, right on Instagram, there's definitely going to be a podcast out there right now and not in, not even just a, you, you know, a YouTube video too. That's right, talking yeah. about that. So, it, it could be, it could be, for example, like episode 50 with the Instagram expert, Subi <laughs> Zimmerman or something, but exactly. anyway, not, yep. I don't know. I don't know specifics here, but yeah, there's <laughs> seriously, there's, there's a podcast for literally everything. All I've learned is just use hashtags. That's all I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. The hashtags are, are very important. Well, I appreciate your confessions of, of being a uh, former follower unfollower because it's always it's kind of, of like course. always it's it, it's a taboo thing in the social media world i remember for full transparency i used to hate that people would do that because like i was always organically building profiles and when you are looking to get more followers organically and then you see somebody oh a new follower and then you're like wait a second they just unfollowed <laughs> kind of it rubs you the wrong way but yeah to, to be fair i totally understand like you got so many things going on, like anything you can do to save time and be more efficient for building your social media pages. As a business owner, it makes sense why you do something like that in the first place. So it's, it's, fun. <laughs> it's like a, it's a taboo thing. And obviously they've changed what you can do and can't do. But it's, it's interesting that you used to try that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And obviously I stopped and my growth went down, of course. But, you yeah. know, it also, it, you know, kills your, your, your organic growth. So I don't know if it's right. still affecting. I don't know if it's still affecting me, but I know that if you did it right now, you basically be bombing your account. Like it, it's like you know committing suicide on your account, basically. Yeah, they're really right. They're really careful, and yeah, they've gotten a lot better yeah. about kind of the spamminess and, and the bots. What about on the creativity side? So, what hobbies or activities do you do, or it could be something else? What do you do to help you stay creative? Well, yeah, that's a good, so now with quarantine, I've had so much, I've had a lot more time 
and I wanted to put I'm so I'm big into into uh into looking back so that question was very was very poignant to me and one of the oh, things well, that I you. did yeah of course one, one of the things I did this quarantine was I took 15 no I took 20 of my friends and I said hey can you send me a 30 second clip of you talking about what life has been like in quarantine because I thought it was so interesting to see their mindset and how they were thinking so 10 years from now you know maybe we'll remember this maybe we won't I'm not sure I think we will but you know they'll say that they'll, they'll they'll know exactly what they look like which is really cool but they'll also see what they were thinking back at that time and it's it's really cool because it just brings you back into this memory and for me I know video is and pictures are very important to capture moments and that's how I stay creative is compiling these kind of things together and furthermore uh, I've been doing more I, I like to just use canva and just having canva like yeah. i play with the my logo all the time i i love designing you know just facebook posts instagram posts all that stuff i think it's really fun and that's how i kind of stay creative not that you're not at an early age but when you think back to an early age were you always interested in sort of capturing moments like that like whether it be through pictures or videos or just just having things to to reflect and look back on to a certain time like that because that's really that's a really cool and, and genuine thing you're talking about no i feel like i've lived two lives quite honestly i feel like i my whole mindset changed after i did my first bodybuilding show um and it's because of you know personal things that happened with the death in my family but i think once that happened i was i kind of quickly realized that one, you really have to capture the moments of life, you know, and two, you really have to cherish your time with people. And that's why I keep harping upon this thing is that really appreciate who you have around you because it could end, you know, tomorrow, right? I mean, especially with coronavirus, you know, but God willing, it doesn't. But to capture these moments with them and to, and to enjoy the time you spend with them is so important. However, was I creative in my early life? Actually, yes, I was. Um, I used to build, it was really interesting, but I used to build um, model ships out of popsicle sticks. It was really weird. Really? Yeah. I was going to guess that. No, yeah, 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 right? No. <laughs> and I used to just take hot glue, you know, with some popsicle sticks, and I used to oh just my God. make ships. Like, I, like, totally, I totally forgot yeah. about the popsicle sticks arts and crap. Yeah, that was such a big <laughs> thing. You sound like an expert in it. Yeah, right. Um, and that's what I did. And I, I loved it. And, um, and then I also would build, you know, would, when I was a really kid, you know, I would build like buildings with, you know, cubes and stuff like that. So that's and Legos and stuff. I guess that that kind of, harp, you know, creates creativity in someone who's young. But the kind of, you know, the aspect of trying to remember times and capture the moments, I would say that happened after that personal moment in my life. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. It's, you know, you're very, you're very in touch with yourself and you're very in touch with what drives you and, and just to be conscious or cognizant. I don't, I guess those both work of, of what's around and, and capture those moments. So it's neat you did that. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. I've lately been fascinated with the, with trying to find, like I've been studying a lot of, I obviously I watched, I watched the last dance with Michael Jordan and I've been studying <laughs> yeah. a lot of, of Kobe Bryant. Right. And I've been just fascinated with their mindsets and studying that and what really motivated them to get to where they were to become so great. So that's been something I've been doing lately too. I love it. Yeah. His, his legacy will, will never go away and there's always things to learn there. So, Oh yeah. 
So let's get to a fan favorite segment called the Wild Business Shoutout of the Week. The Wild Business Shoutout of the Week! Wild Business Shoutout of the Week. So this is where we talk about a (laughs) marketing campaign that caught our attention, something really cool, clever, creative. And there's something relating to Barstool and a certain beverage that caught your attention. Do you mind sharing that? Yeah, so... uh in quarantine as well i've been a i've been a huge barstool fan i've really captured that you know that story i think it's really cool with with dave portnoy and he's just really literally 20 minutes where he founded uh barstool away from me in boston so really oh no yeah yeah it's right in milton mass it's like right outside boston it's really cool i didn't know he was from boston no i'm just kidding yeah right yeah with his accent and everything (laughs) um but he he partnered up with this uh, alcoholic I think it's vodka soda or vodka seltzers. Yeah, vodka seltzers. And it's called uh, High Noon. And now oh, yeah, he yeah. does. Yeah, yeah. So they, so but long story short, they, they basically sold in one month more than they sold in a year. And how they did it was he would post every day at 12 o'clock noon, you know, and they would call it like high noon time or something. And And now he's in Florida. He's been, he's all sunburned, right? He's posting with a, a high noon. He's like, he's, he sounds almost drunk. It's, it's actually kind of funny, but he's like, you know, cor- you know, Corona this, right. Or what's going on. So he basically talks about what's going on and then he, he infuses it with drinking the high noon. So it's kind of this organic marketing and it's obviously worked for them. It's, it's done wonders for them. So it's been really cool to see every day. It's every day he posts. I can't even imagine the money he's getting or the equity he's getting from that deal. It must be insane. It's gotta be. And I have to commend them because they partner with somebody who is uh, is quite the personality and has such a, a great influence and also such an incredible yeah. such an incredible business story that they needed to partner with somebody like that, I feel like, to break through and kind of break out in this hard seltzer space because it becomes increasingly competitive. Um, I think, you know, there's so much debate about which ones are better. It seems like White Claws by far the most prominent one and my girlfriend dana will tell you that she is like black cherry white claw like till death (laughs) (laughs) like there's some diehard fans out there uh i know my cousins my brother like truly every now and then too and then you got bud light launching their seltzer you've got oh my god what's like natty light has their seltzer It, it, it just doesn't it doesn't end with all the seltzers it's such a growing and in competitive space and the fact they were able to break through with with messaging like that is very clever so so that's a phenomenal example uh what's your i'm curious on the Dave Portnoy side, because he's a, a hell of a business story in himself. What is it you like about him? The be- besides being close to you geographically, like your hometown, <laughs> what do you like about his, like the business side of his story the most that, that you find it most inspiring? Yeah. So I've, I've basically taken from kind of his playbook and, and posting as much as I can in terms of my story. And it's been instrumental in posting uh, what I call Blendy Biz episodes where I do every Friday. I took a break because of the current situation of the world. I didn't think it was yeah, about yeah. me. So I thought it was, I, I was careful to do so. So, but every Friday I film exactly, you know, to a T, somewhat too honestly, what happened during that week for Blendy, good and bad. And it just helps me, you know, understand. And it's kind of like what I just said. It tells the story, but it also helps me go back in time when I want to to see exactly at what moment I was at this step, right? So it paints a picture for an entrepreneur and myself to say, oh, that's where I was doing this. And it's really cool. And that's what he did, I think, pretty well. You know, he would blog every day. He was a content king. And when you create so much content, it's like almost impossible not to get more people 
to be fans of you, you know? And right. another thing is he's a very controversial person. I mean, I, he's very controversial, but what happens is when you're, when you're doing something like that, I'm not saying I'm, do, I'm going to do that, but what I am saying is that he was always open and honest with how he felt and he got more fans because of that. And I really saw that and I really wanted to take that into my own and make it my own too. As you're saying, you've kind of allowed that same mentality to help you paint your picture. And I'm going to coin this for you. You're, you're painting your own protein picture. You're painting your protein <laughs> shake picture. That's right. We'll, we'll throw blender in there as well. <laughs> Blendy. Yeah. So so I, I like to say, you know, Blendy has an I at the end. So it's blend I, right? Blendy. And you yeah. you put you put the I in Blendy because not only are you using it, of course, right? But you also I feel like life is a blend of all your favorite things, just as you know, blend uh, a shake would do. So Blendy is is just another aspect of your life. I'm all for the metaphor. I I can blend behind that. Uh, <laughs> I can get what, yeah, I can we'll, blend we'll roll with it. We'll, yeah. we'll blend with it. <laughs> So let's get to a segment called the unusual. So pet peeves, quirks, and weird talents. What is your biggest pet peeve? Oh, man. Oh, I would say two, two of my biggest pet peeves are, one, chewing with your mouth open really gets me. Oh, sorry. And Yeah. I, <laughs> and then two is, I don't I got, I always hold the door, and when people don't say thank you, I get really upset. I say, oh, you're welcome. You know, I'm very petty like that. Mm. So- yeah, that, those are two of my biggest ones. Not even the door example, but there's plenty, like, I'm surprised, like, you think everybody would be raised to say, like, thank you when it's, pro like, thank you when, like, thank yous are deserved and have polite yeah. manners, you know, like, I think everybody should, like, have that as a, you know, you should just be kind to people in general, like, that's a thing. It's amazing when, when, like, you see somebody out in public, and they're just, like, not appreciative for, like, something nice you did. It's, <laughs> it's, I totally, totally feel you on that. Yeah. How about quirks so what's something that is maybe a little quirky about your personality that maybe family or a friend has called you out on that it's about your personality but it's true to who you are well that's a good question thank you uh, yeah let thank me you. Think thank you thank you very one. much <laughs> oh okay yeah i got i have two actually all right there we go We're, i like the two answers for each yeah one, with it. one i have i say the i say the the number three I say it three like that. And that's people are like, what, why are you saying it like that? I have no clue. Wait, three. Um, Wait, can you, yeah. get it? can you, can you say it again? Yeah. Three. I don't know if you can hear it in the mic, but it's, I like add this weird thing. To on me, the R. It's, it sounds pretty standard, but Oh wait, do you, are you, is there like a rolling R in there? Yeah. Oh, I think so. So I say All three. Right. I'm jealous. Three. I can't do any sort of rolling yeah. R. <laughs> I don't know why I do it, but I do it. When you and say then, trace, is there trace? Yes, there is. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. I think maybe you're not human. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and, then, and then the second one is whenever I get stressed, I touch my eyebrows a lot. I don't know why. So that's, oh. that's one too. Oh, my God. Big that's, eyebrow um, we, had, we had a guest, uh, Marty Romances. He's a very talented futuristic designer for like video effects and those like movies like Guardians of the Galaxy and that. We had him back on episode 95 and actually in the same exact segment, he was like, you know, I'm, I'm playing with my eyebrows right now. I don't know why I just keep doing with it. And yeah. so obviously, obviously he was very stressed in the interview then as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's funny because your eyebrows show it that you're, you're like touching it. Like hair goes away. I remember when yeah, I was like, on, 
Yeah, I was taking some acne medication and I had no, it got to the point where I had like three or four hairs on my eyebrow. It was really oh, wow. weird. Yeah. I don't know why mm. I was doing that, but yeah. And then in addition to the eyebrow plucking. Yes. Yeah. Weird talents. So what is, I'm not gonna let you say bodybuilding, <laughs> but what's something that is maybe a more unique or kind of niche niche talent that something that you're just really, really good at, but it doesn't have any effect on your business. So it could be something tiny, like it could be something around the house. It could be like a memory trick. Is, is there anything you can think of like little things like that? Um, I don't, oh man. I, I would say that one trick I do that might be unique to me. This, I don't know if it's unique to me, but I, I'm pretty good at, at taking a mental snapshot in my head of like of a image or something. So if there's an image in a, in a book clearly drawn out, I can almost transfer that into like, let's say a testing situation and I can see it pretty visibly in my head. So that's pretty cool. I, I that love is. that I can do that. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, now, now I'm absolutely positive that you are a robot. <laughs> and, um, and then when I was a kid, I was used to walk on my tippy toes. So I have like amazing calves now. Um, which is cool. <laughs> Not to brag, but not to brag. <laughs> Look no. at the tree trunks on that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. It's a yeah. It's a good way to keep the calves in shape. Yes, that's right. And it's also when you're very small, it, it helps. I guess I always knew from an early age I'd be pretty small. So. But your calves would not be. But my calves would not be. That's right. <laughs> All right. So let's wrap up with some rapid fire Q and A. You ready for it? I'm stoked. All right. I'm stoked as well. I think that's the first stoked on this podcast. That's All right. sick. Let's get, <laughs> dude, where's my car? Yeah. Let's get wild. What is your favorite lift or favorite exercise to do of all time? Oh, I like, I like shrugs. Yeah. Mm. I think shrugs are, are sick because they, they like, they <laughs> show all of your arm veins, your, your traps look good. It feels good. It's really cool. And bicep curls. I, I mean, I, my biceps are, I think are pretty good too. So I like bicep curls. Your biceps are stoked, man. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what is your favorite flavor of protein shake? Ooh, uh, oh, birthday cake. Anything is amazing. Birthday cake, protein bars, birthday oh. cake, protein. Yeah. Ice cream is insane at Cold Stone. Oh, my God. What is your favorite Halloween costume you ever wore as a kid? Ooh. So, okay. Uh, I actually liked the one I had this year. I was Mr. Monopoly man. I thought I did a fantastic oh, job with it. That's yeah. great. I have this poster in my room and it says greed is good. <laughs> it's kind of funny. It has a Monopoly man on it. It's really cool. I liked it. I'm not sure your thoughts on skydiving, but if you were skydiving and you could skydive over any part of the world, like any city, any country, it could be in the middle of the ocean, whatever you want. Where would you want to do that and why? Um, I'd probably skydive over the Grand Tetas in Wyoming because I want to move to Wyoming one day and have a ranch and just live there for the rest of my life. There you go. That's like the uh, pretty close to the Phil Jackson life. <laughs> that is actually. Yeah, you're right. That's funny. I have a question for you. So what is your, what is your favorite, what, what quote do you live by? Do you have a, a, a personal motto? What do you, what do you have? Do you live by something? So I, I don't have a personal motto. I do enjoy looking at quotes, but I'm terrible at memorizing quotes. But <laughs> I would say, since you mentioned Gary V earlier, something he said, you know, years ago now, but has always stuck with me 
that I think is so powerful in just a few words. And you've probably seen this video. Somebody said, like, can you give us an inspiring message in just a few words? And he said, you're going to die. <laughs> and that like sound, obviously it's extremely morbid. It's, it's, it's brutal. Like it, you know, not everybody's going to like that. Actually probably people, a lot of people won't like that. But the point of that message is saying, look, like we can't take time for granted. Like we, you never know how long you're going to be here. And like the more you just kind of keep putting things off or, or not cashing in on your passion and not truly doing the things you want, you're just not, you're just doing a disservice to yourself. Yeah, so the whole word. message there is like, you're going to die. He's not saying that, like, you know, you should be scared of that. He's saying that, like, do it's you want to just go years and ye right? It's finite. Do you want to go years and years and years and then look back later and say, oh, my God, I regret all these things that I really should have done. And so that's yeah, that's that's a pretty powerful one. Yeah, I love that. I, I live by two. One is surf on your own wave. And that's Kid Cudi. And then the other Ooh, one Cuddy. is, yeah, I love Kikai. <laughs> he, went, he went to my high school, actually. No, you mentioned No that. way. Oh, Shaker yeah. Heights? Just for a year. Oh, I was hoping you wouldn't say that. So he went to two high schools. He went to mine for a year, Solon. It was the other high school, and then he transferred to Shaker Heights. Did he do the TED talk at yours? No, I think he did a Shaker. But he did oh. uh what a great okay well we're, we're, we're the other high school then but there's like there was yeah, a viral <laughs> there was a photo that went viral on twitter a while back of uh, a student from solon my hometown who you know you know when you get your books in school especially in high school and then like inside the inside cover it was like the names of everybody who's on there yeah like kid cuddy scott scott meskady's name was on there and he like retweeted it and was like oh no way so that's that's very cool that's so cool man I so there's such there's a our kid fan. cuddy ted talk yeah it, you have to if you have listened to that TED talk, it's it's fantastic. Yeah, it's I watch it I think multiple times a year, quite honestly. But I've been a fan since sixth grade, and I love that guy, man. He's gotten me through a lot of the good stuff. So yeah, absolutely, I'm with you. Yeah, and then you you said you had a second one, right? Yeah, attack each day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind, and that's your favorite person up in the north. If you can guess who that is, you. No, no. <laughs> my, so my motto is attacking each day, but I took it from someone who you probably deeply hate, and he's in the North. It's that oh, team up oh, North. I, I know who it is. I know who it is from, from prep for this, so I, I kind of cheated, <laughs> so you can just share who it is. Damn, damn. Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, okay. We'll yep. edit that part out. All right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, Jonathan, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and your amazing journey with blendy that that is early on and also you've done a lot already and it's it's very exciting so thanks for sharing your wisdom and and also the personal side of things as well where's the best place for people to connect with you and to purchase a blendy yeah sure thank you so uh the best place to connect with me is on instagram and that's uh j-o-n-k-a-t-z 96 so that's john katz 96 and then you can also follow the blendy page which is blendy blender and you can also go to the website, blendyblender.com, and that's blendy with an I. Perfect. Blend E, and the I is meaningful. Yes. And last thing here, final thoughts. It could be a quote. Actually, let's not do a quote because we've covered quotes, but it could just be a line or just some final thoughts, some parting words of wisdom to send us off here. Stage is yours. Take it away. Yeah, so I would say, let's take, for example, quarantine, right? If, if people didn't take the opportunity with extra time to do what they loved and what their passion was or to find a new passion, 
then you're just going through life kind of carelessly. I think you really have to take opportunities such as a quarantine like event, you know, that's basically, I saw it as a grace from God. You know, it's like this, it was insane to even have three months at home. Right. And I used every day to the benefit of blending the business and furthering myself. So I would implore you to really take this time each day to find what you're passionate about, pursue it and become good at at least something, you know, be the expert in at least something and you'll be doing very well in life, I would imagine. That is something. Thank you, Jonathan Katz, Mr. Katz, for sharing your story and inventions and life lessons. And thank you, wild listeners, for tuning in to another episode. If you want to hear more wild stories like this one, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite app and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can also check us out on Good Pods, where you can find all the podcasts your friends, family, and all your favorite people, and maybe even not-so-favorite people, are listening to. You can check out everything HippoDirect has to offer at HippoDirect.com, and you can also connect with us on social media at the handles HippoDirect and Max Brandstetter. Until next time, let your business run wild. Bring on the bongos! <laughs>